Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EchoBase podcast, a first of its kind, and we are going to focus on tournament play handicapping. This podcast sponsored by RaceLens. I'm Christina Blacker from FanDuel TV, as you know, a regular RaceLens user, but I am here not only to ask the questions, but to learn a little bit about tournament play myself as well. Hopefully you find this useful, not only today, tomorrow, but throughout the year, if you are competing in any handicapping tournaments. Joining me, several experts, as you can see from left to right, we have Scott Coles, we have Joe Rosen, and we have Joe Scanio, all to provide their insight on tournament play. Gentlemen, thank you for taking the time. And I'm going to give you the board here just to kind of introduce yourselves. Maybe tell us a little bit about kind of your day job, what got you into horse playing in the first place, and what you like most about tournaments. Scott, let's kick it off with you. How's it going? Um, so I started as a uh, real estate lawyer and a poker player. Um, then TVG, I watched that a lot and triple crown coverage and kind of moved on to it finally being legal in Illinois to play in 2013. So poker wasn't fitting my life as well. They shut down all the sites. You had to travel far to play. Horse racing was more convenient and always interested me. But now that you could do it in all the races legally without having to go to shady sites and do all sorts of weird things um, to play, it made it a lot easier. So right before, I think Illinois was legal like the weekend before or the week before Belmont um, 2013, the Belmont Stakes and Palace Malice one. Um, that kind of next couple of years was a lot of what I call paying tuition, getting crushed, just doing stupid things, learning how to play and kind of eventually discovered tournaments, um, started trying to qualify for the NHC and then eventually was able to get into the NHC in 2019. Um, so that, that was kind of my path, switched over to a tr being a trader, a futures trader from a lawyer and the comparison between trading and horse racing is a, it's a really big parable for me and pretty easy to kind of do both. So um, that's just kind of where I'm at and uh, I've loved it ever since. We'll definitely talk about some of your highlights too throughout the podcast today. Joe Rosen, how about you? What got you into the game? And tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, actually a lawyer by trade as well. So that uh, at least no longer practicing painfully, but um, I started going to the racetrack with my parents at Hollywood Park, probably when I was about 10 years old, continued going by myself when I was 16 and still not supposed to bet, but still dead. Um, I then, a bunch of my friends from high school have always been involved with horse racing. I got, I was lucky enough to be part of uh, Singletary with uh, Billy Koch before Little Red Feather was even started and have been a member of uh, the Little Red Feather group since then. And I got really involved with tournament play due to Gary Fenton and uh, Billy with Little Red Feather starting a tournament uh, challenge where if you qualified for the NHC, they had a million dollar extra bonus if you actually won it. And that's where I got my start probably in, I think it was 2018 and um, have been playing tournaments ever since. Joe Scanio, how about yourself? Well, I started uh, playing the horses as an alternate choice to going to school going back to the 70s. So I used to hitchhike the, uh, to hitchhike the aqueduct. So people ask me, well, where did you go to school? I said, well, I got my associate's degree at Aqueduct, my bachelor's at Belmont, and I just got my master's at Saratoga. So I had all these uh, qualifications from a racetrack. You know, um, I've been playing in the NHC for the last 22 years. Um, I think I've qualified about 18 or 19 times. We'd have to ask uh, Michelle Ravencraft about that. Um, 
but uh, we used to do double headers, actually. We used to go to the racetrack, the Aqueduct or Belmont in the morning, and then go to the trotters at night. You know, and those were the, the race person's uh, terminology of a double header. Joe Scanny, I'll stick with you. I want to give you an opportunity. Any highlights, any big scores over the years, any big successes as far as the, the tournaments go? I think there, are num there were a number of them that I got pretty lucky at, uh, but I guess the highlight for me would be about six or seven years ago in the NHC, I was, um, I finished 11th. And uh, at that time, the rules were a little different. You were only permitted to have one entry at the final table. So the, one of the individuals that was at the final table had two. So I got in as an AE and, uh, and I finished sixth in that contest. So that, that's pretty, um, that was a pretty fun weekend in Vegas at the time. Speaking of uh, NHC, Joe Rosen, I'm sure you were right there cheering on Gary Fenton this year with his, was it third place finish? Any big, big highlights for yourself over the years? Well, um, I was NHC rookie of the year, uh, that first year I played. Um, actually, the person who finished second is a really good friend of mine too. And we probably set the, the points record that will never, will never be broken because we just went at it for the full year. I've played in four NHCs now. I've cashed in three of them. Gary will tell you that uh, he's more impressed with me cashing in three. I'm more impressed with Gary actually finishing third this year. It was really exciting. We sat at the same table. He hit everything. It was amazing. And it was just a great weekend this last year. Scott Coles, how about you? I, I know your highlight, but can you share it for our <laughs> listeners? Yeah. Um, so my, I missed the qualifying. Um, I think the first couple of years I tried, I tried for like a year and a half and then got in for the 2019 NHC and just happened to have a great run and win it the first time I was there, which was crazy. Um, I'll never forget that, that day. I'd always thought that I had a pretty good game plan for if I, if I got in, um, I did a lot of analytics on it. Um, so it just kind of was the perfect storm of some solid handicapping, some fortunate timing and just having the right spot on the leaderboard at the right time. Um, I've cashed, I think, I've, so I've qualified for, the five straight years I think I've cashed in three of them well this past year I did horrible but I cashed in the constellation tournament but it still counts based on their standards so um yeah I'm just always trying to improve and trying to work on my tournament I'm I'm tournament focused especially now with a kid on the way and a baby already and um I'm very tournament focused and picking my spots um so my most memorable will always be that I used to play a lot more cash than I do now um, but, um, other than a big hit on American Pharaoh, my tournament, my tournaments will always be my highlight. So that's news. Congratulations. I'm, I'm also saving for the uh, high school college fund. That's why I think <laughs> because somebody in the same family is going to be paying for tuition for the rest of their lives. Uh, let's <laughs> talk about product use and Scott, I'm going to start with you. So we do a lot of webinars, you and I, and the team discussing race lens. It's a big part of how you handicap. I know that it's a big part of how I handicap as well, but I use a lot of different products and this is your opportunity right now, everybody just to kind of share, what do you like using? What other products are out there in addition to race lens that kind of help hone your skills? Um, so I use a lot of different things, but so I'm a big pace person. So I will compare pace projectors. Like I, I use Timeform US pace projector a lot and their speak figures. I also use Timeform for kind of pedigree issue. I'm not very good with pedigree, but they have a pretty good rundown of basic pedigree sets. They're not always correct, but they, they'll they show you what siblings did. They'll show you 
kind of more of a family tree. They'll show you some things that I'm not in any way prepared for usually. Um, then I will, I have a bunch of angles pre-saved in race lens, which is um, my favorite part of just going through every card every day in about five minutes, seeing how many green and red when they highlight, you know, your positive angles, your negative angles, that'll kind of make me hone in on a spot. Um, if I see something that I have saved that highlights for me, um, I also, I, I will use their true odds page for some of the pace stuff, some of the, the other angles. Um, I'll look at their pace projector. I, I do prefer Timeform's pace projector, but I will, the nice thing about what I wish Timeform had that Racelands has is that you can take people out of the pace projector if they, if you know they're going to scratch or if you just don't believe that they're in the right spot and kind of look at it that way. Um, I'm still waiting for one to let me move them kind of like you're allowed to do on TV with time form, Christina, <laughs> when you can start moving them around. I, wa yeah. I want something that lets me do that. But um, <laughs> then I kind of move on to, um, so Ryan Flanders is a friend and he kind of alerted me right away when he was thinking about starting trip note pros. And I think they've done a phenomenal job over there. I will pay for their cards if I'm playing um, seriously for a day because they have so many notes and watch so many replays that I, I love looking out and looking to see who they've upgraded, downgraded and all the things that they're still trying to improve over there. And I think it's going to continue to get better with more cards and more access. Um, I look at the DRF workout reports um, because I think that's a huge advantage on certain days, especially in maiden races. Um, Cause again, that's not my specialty. I can't handicap based on pedigree. I can't do it like, some some others do it, um, but they they do a pretty good job with alerting you to who has the, the solid works, but also the most importantly the bad works. I mean, if you can find a favorite that's not going to run, there's so much value in that. And then I'll move on and I'll compare all the speed figures. I'll I'll take time forms. I'll take the buyer and I'll take whatever other ones I can get my hand on. And of course, the equibase speed figure and kind of see if something's off or if there's going to be value because you believe one is more correct than the others, or if they're all around the same and you kind of think that that's you know, just more validation for what the speed figure is. So a lot of games, a lot of numbers, a lot of things. I'm kind of a crazy person. I look at so many different things and just kind of like try to kind of put it all into one thing, but. Um, student of the game. I'm pace, pace, pace based, I would say. Joe Rosen, how about you? Products that you like, products that you use regularly and, and maybe has that changed for you kind of over the years as well? Uh. When I first started all this, it was really stats to begin with race lens. Um, as I've played more and more tournaments, and it depends what the tournament is. There's, you know, I'm sure we'll get into this later, but if it's a pick and pray, it's different than a live tournament. If it's a money tournament uh, that the tracks do, a live tournament where it's live money, it's there's a lot more to play that way too. So I'm I'm very much statistics based. I do like seeing I like stats. Um, especially in the live tournament, live money tournaments, I also will use Equine Edge all the time. They help you, it, it will help you for, formulate, formulate some tickets, especially trifectas that will, you know, as to your bankroll that you want to use. Um, I will, I love looking at the winner, uh, the workout cards, the winner card workouts from different tracks, especially if you're focused on only one track or two tracks on a given day, it's much easier to deal with uh, specific information from those specific tracks, from people who actually are there every day. It's great to see. Um, I'll use Thorograph 
Um, and then every so often I will actually go to different groups that will put out cards. Um, I found a group called uh, Racing Dudes to be very, very good, um, especially with their best value. value. Um, I, I've seen them really come, come through many a time for me. Um, I'll try to formulate it all together as best I can and, um, you know, work from there. I had one kind of follow-up that I know we'll go into, but uh, Joe Rosen, I'll stick with you on this one. Do you approach different types of races differently in terms of not only your own kind of handicapping, but your product use for those types of races, whether it be different surfaces, distances, et cetera? Oh, definitely. I mean, it, again, it depends. If, if there's a specific set of races for a tournament, you're, you're stuck with whatever. Um, if you, there are some tournaments where they'll give you 30 races to work with and you have to have 15 or whatever to choose from. I usually will run away from any cheap claiming race that's, or, uh, or the maiden races I'll try to stay away from because they're much harder to handicap. You, there's many things that can happen that uh, you just can't count on. Of course, it doesn't break right, doesn't like being in the gate. You never know with the maidens, the claiming races when it's hard to play. Uh, two for one or a two to one or a three to one favorite when the horse is 0 for 16. But amazingly enough, those horses do come through as I saw this weekend at Keeneland. So um, I'll try to eliminate races just like you would eliminate if you were back in college and you had five essays to, you had, you had to choose three or five essays. Well, I'll eliminate the essays that I don't want to write as quick as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll eliminate the races that I could possibly eliminate and stick to the others, even if it, it, the other ones may have had better odds. Mm -hmm. Just Gania, what about product use for you? What do you like to use in your handicapping? And, and similar to what I asked uh, Joe Rosen, has that changed for you over the well, years? Well, no, Christina, it hasn't changed. Um, I stick with the same process that I've been using. I try to keep it simple. I think I'm more of a visual player than uh, Joe and Scott, where they're more statistically oriented. I kind of stick to uh, Ragus issues, which I've been using for about 19 years now. Uh, they work for me very well, and um, I use them no matter what. Of course, you can't use them in maiden races, so we're all possible maiden first. I mean, you can use them in maiden races, but, you know, there's a limited amount of information you're going to benefit from, uh, and that's the same as first-time starters and things like that, so I'll, I'll try to avoid those races if I can. But I also use replays. I think that, you know, watching replays is, is crucial, the um, same as Scott or Joe will tell you that, you know, all their analytics and statistics are crucial. I think those replays come in handy. I want to see for myself, you know, there's a little comment at the end of the daily racing form or any of the PPs that you use, but I want to make that decision as to what I feel I want to make my play in. And then finally, I use race lens for their true odds angle and their uh, pace projections. So I stick with those three, Christina, and try to go from that point. I'm similar with a lot of the products that you guys mentioned. I end up with this sort of fortress of computers around myself, and one of them is on race lens. One of them is on the form. One of them is with my photograph figures, which I rely pretty heavily on. And then the only other thing I would mention that that maybe hasn't been brought up yet is XBTV. I love those workout videos that they post on XBTV, and it's really simple. I think a lot of people haven't gone into their site yet. All you have to do is type the horse's name. And it pops up there and go ahead and watch the workouts for yourself, which I've tried to watch them and kind of check them against workout reports over the years, uh, not only to learn a little bit more about how to watch works myself, but just to see if there's anything there that I think might be 
kind of hidden or uh, behind the veil, so to speak, and trying to figure out horses that are training well, that are coming into good races. Uh, I also, Joe Rose and I use uh, Equinedge, but I use Equinedge as sort of my like spell check for lack of a better term. I handicap and I go through and I make my own tickets, but then I want to see what Equinedge would do and where they have a horse that I don't have. And I will never let them talk me off a horse that I like, but I will let them talk me into a horse that I didn't have before and go back and think, what am I missing here? Like if this product is going to give that horse this big of percentage chance of winning, then I need to see kind of where I might've gone wrong in that point. And I think we've covered quite a bit of the products actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Also to, to Scott, what you were mentioning about trip note pros, if you're curious about trip note pros out there, and if you're someone that wants to learn how to watch replays, if you're new to the game and you're not really sure what you're looking at, that's a great way to watch the replay first and then see what those guys say about that replay. You'll learn a lot from their information. Not only will it save you time when you don't have the time to be watching all the replays, but it also teach you a little bit and teach you what to look for in your own handicapping. Scott, I want to come back to you on a, a question I already asked Joe in terms of the different types of races. Do you approach different types of races any differently? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I feel more comfortable in, in certain situations and like he was saying, I mean, the less predictable, like that's kind of where either. So if I'm playing in a tournament, you're going to want to look for more chaos or spots that more chaos can come up because I mean, that's where you just need, you need to have those points, but if it's cash, I'm just going to pass because I'm just not, I'm not good enough when I don't have enough inside information. I mean, like people will be like, Oh, this trainer called me this, this person called me this horse. I'm going to run. I'm like, I don't have any of those pipelines. So, and I feel like some of these claiming games are so, um, they're just, there's just so many things that are going on there and without getting into the problems with the game, but I just, I kind of try to stay away. Um, but for a tournament, I mean, you're like Joe said, you're, you're given what you're given. Um, a lot of the tournaments that I play are a set number of races because of um, mostly lack of time in my life. I'm a lot of times playing in these online tournaments where you're just given the races you're given and then you, and you play. So when you're given a bunch of claimers or a bunch of maiden races, you kind of, I kind of just decide how much chaos I think there can be in the race. And then the probability of, um, what horses I would need in those races. So for claiming and maiden races, I'm sometimes looking at more of a price unless there's this just like a, a favorite that I think can't lose. Um, I mean, you got to pick up the points where you get to pick up the points, but um, as far as playing favorites and playing cash um, or cash tournaments, I'm more looking for the horse that I, I trust the most and kind of building my tickets from there. So that'll be, you know, stakes, races on down i mean if those are available i want those because you have the most information you have the most talk from the trainers you have the, you have everything in front of you and i i kind of like the even playing field sometimes on those races with the information available whereas there's so much information that only a small amount of the public have in some of those lower level races that some of these obscure tracks that I, I just think i'm putting myself up against it before the race even starts um so i kind of look at it from that perspective but um yeah. So I'm stakes on down if I have my choice, but you know, I think a lot of people are like that. And you don't always have that option. So um, definitely do it differently and looking at more late pace figures on, you know, simple things like synthetic and turf, you're looking for more late pace than you are on dirt where there's speed and you're looking at biases and you're looking at all sorts of things, but I kind of just take each day individually and kind of 
what I, how I think it's going to play out, what it's going to look like, what's available, and then just make your decision. But, you know, you want to have the whole picture every time before you're going to put your money in. To follow up on that a little bit, Joe Rosen, the different types of tournaments. So we have live money. You mentioned pick and pray. We have mythical. Do you play all types of tournaments and do you approach those tournaments differently? I play all types. I, that doesn't bother me. Um, I'm, I've been told by my friends that I'm much better at pick and pray. And I personally, I like them better because it's, to me, it's true handicapping because you're, you're putting it. Yes. You're putting in your picks at the start of the tournament and you can't change anything. So if it's a 12, 12 race tournament, your 12, 12 horses are in at the beginning of the, of the whole tournament. So if you're sitting in first place with a race to go and you're up by 20, 20 points, people have already chosen the horses that they want in that last race. There's no, it's unlike a live tournament where, Oh, you're down 50 points. Well, I'm taking the 20 to one long shot. And when that long shot comes in, which is a horse that 90% of the people would never have had anyway, but they're just forced to take it. You're not losing a tournament that you really shouldn't lose. Right. Um, that, that kind of, I've, I've lost out on some tournaments based on that happening to me uh, on a pick on, on live tournaments, just because, it's pure luck that that 20 to one shot wins. Well, if it was a pick and pray, no one would have caught me probably. Um, I don't mind the live tournaments, but it, again, there's that once you're fought, once you've fallen behind by like 30 points, everybody starts taking the 15 to one long shots and they're in, they're in play as soon as one of them hits. And then the whole tournament is, it just flips over to something else. So it really just depends. I just, to me, uh, and I, I say this at the NHC every year, it's, it's because you see it on the last, everybody saves their shots for the last five races. They have like three bullets. And when they're down 60 points to make, make it to the, to the final day, they're taking the 15 and 21 long shots and the place goes crazy when it happens, but it's, they really shouldn't, they would never have been in that position to begin with. If it was, if, if they were really choosing a horse that they liked, at least yeah. most of them. So I'm more, I, I like the pick and pray much better, but that's just me. What about you, Joe Scanio? Any preference on the different types of tournaments? Well, I'll, I'll play them all, Christina. However, I do agree with Joe. I mean, for the viewers that are watching that are um, trying to learn tournament strategies and things like that, I would recommend that they avoid the live, uh, live money tournaments initially because now you have two decisions to make. You're handicapping and you have money management, which can be a little bit of a challenge for you if you're not experienced in tournament play. Um, the only one, the only type of tournament that I will avoid is where they'll uh, only permit, like, but not that they'll only permit, you have the option of only making one bet. And, and you know, and all of a sudden, you could sit there all day and make one bet. I, I don't understand how they consider that a tournament or a handicapping contest. You know, when, when basically someone can buy five or six entries and just make X amount of money to churn the money for the sponsoring track or site. So I'll try to avoid those contests because I just don't see the logic in it at all. I mean, if I want to gamble, I'll get look, you know, on, on a horse myself. That's not what I consider to be a contest. I think um, pick and pray uh, is probably a good way for a uh, someone who's initially getting exposed to contests. Uh, it, it takes a little pressure off them and they can see where they have to improve on their handicapping skills and not worry about their money management skills. And that kind of, you covered my last question as well, which is what invite advice to new players. Joe Rosen, any advice to new players, someone that's just 
learning the game, whether it be a product you think that they should use or a type of tournament to try and focus on if they want to get into tournament play? Well, uh, I believe it just so happens that this week is the first free tournament of the year for the NCAA. So, I mean, if somebody really wants to get into tournament play. That one. (laughs) (laughs) If somebody really wants to get into tournament play, and and by the way, that's how I started. It it was a rainy day. I think think it was Belmont Day, actually, in 2018. And I... Gary had sent Gary Fenton had sent me an email reminding me that it was a free play that weekend. So I entered a cash tournament on one site and I entered the free play tournament on the other. I don't know which one where was the horse players or horse tourneys. One was on each. And I pretty much chose the same. There were 10 horse races, 10 races that day. I chose the same horses for nine of the races. And the only, only change I had was in the final race, I had one horse in one and one horse in the other. And I was actually leading both the, the, the free one for the NHC seat and the cash tournament one and the other. And I really didn't know what to root for in the last race because one was cash and one was this great opportunity to be in the NHC. I ended up winning the cash tournament and kept playing on the other side. But um, there's no better way to start than pay your $50 to join the uh the, the competitions and play this weekend for 50 bucks for free. I mean, you, you can qualify if you paid the $50 and maybe win that free seat to the NHC next year. How about you, Scott, any advice for new players? Um, I mean, he basically said what I would tell people because the $50 covers, you get four of those every year, unless there's something changes um, for your $50, you get four of these free tournaments. And yeah, it's, it's a bit frustrating because there's, it's like unlike any other tournament because it's pick and pray and there's between two and 3,000 entries. So it's just absurd. You need to run pretty hot, but top 10% get points. I've picked up a lot of good tour points um, in those by just taking top 50, top 100, whatever. You pick up tour points. And if you have enough tour points at the end of the year, there's this, this list of top 75 non qualifiers that if you didn't win a qualifier or place in a qualifier to get a seat there's a whole nother list of people based on points they get in and you never know what that total is going to be you you kind of have to study the math there's like certain thresholds it's an average over the years and i won't get into that because it's a whole nother thing but you can get points you can learn it's pick and pray so it it is just more purely handicapping like like joe was saying you you're not going to get i mean if you had three thousand people playing live in a room and you got down to the last race i mean the the only long shot in the field is going to have like 2700 people picking it or I mean something like that it's absurd but um it's a great way to learn you get four of them and if you happen to they give out five seats in each one if you happen to get top five I mean you get a trip to Vegas for $50 um and get a chance to participate there's also I also recommend just playing in feeders to start I mean you don't have to put a lot of money but you get smaller fields for as low as like 10 18 bucks you can get in and try to qualify into a, a qualifier, but you can go in steps, but you learn a lot. I mean, the more you play, the more you'll learn. I feel like you need to play a lot of small tournaments and put your time in and learn, kind of chart chart out what races you do the best in, what types of contests you play the best in. It's a lot of work, but if you're willing to do that work, you'll learn a lot about where you need to improve, what types of contests you should play, what types of races you should play, what days you should play multiple entries because all these races and tracks are coming up that you like and kind of make your decisions that way. Um, 
And if you're willing to grind and you're willing to put in, you don't have to put in very much money if you're willing to put in a lot of time and you can kind of learn that way before you probably, I probably got a little too aggressive when I first started and I, I played in two expensive contests and I qualified for this win tournament in Vegas, went out and got just absolutely smoked. And then I came back and I was playing in all these high stakes and won one, which was probably bad for me because then I thought I was good and I wasn't. And then it just, so I recommend starting small kind of really charting where your where your mistakes are being made because you're going to learn so much more from your mistakes than you are from winning right away yeah i think i say often it's like a muscle like you just kind of have to work it like you're handicapping you're learning if you're playing the tournaments it's the same thing you're going to learn by doing it and just diving in and as you've all kind of touched on there are very inexpensive ways to get involved and to start on that journey and and to learn and to hopefully be in many more tournaments. We'll see at the NHC, the BCBC, or any of those tournaments out there. Hopefully we have helped you today, whether you've been watching or listening. Lots of great insight, lots of great advice, a lot of discussion about some different products out there. I know we're all available. You can reach out to many of us on social media if you do want to continue to talk about some of these products or if you want to be connected to the folks that can get you signed up for that. And of course, with Racelands, with Equibase, uh, that is always available to you. So thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate your time today. Good luck through the next couple of weeks. It's a great time to be a horse racing fan as we just approach the Triple Crown for the Joes, for Scott, for myself, and Christina Blacker. We'll see you next time here. Thanks for watching and listening to the Equibase podcast.